With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast. Hour three. Greetings, conversationalists. It's Eric Erickson here across the land. I'm glad to have you with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, those of you on the lines, stand by. I will get to you. I want to draw your attention to one of those stories that I think should be a big story and It's just not getting talked about because there's so much other stuff. We could spend all day talking about John Fetterman or about Zelensky's visit to Capitol Hill. And and I do have something to say more on that and other things. I want to talk about Ingram Kendi, but this is a story you need to think about. And it is a failure of foreign policy. Look to the east. Look to the east, to the Middle East. The Middle East is is an interesting situation. I grew up over there. You've got Bahrain, the ninth there, the fifth fleet is in Bahrain. You have Qatar, which is increasingly leaning towards radical Islam. Have the United Arab Emirates, which is divided into Emirates, some of which have been pro-United States. Some the the Abu Dhabi was more socialist, sympathetic to the Soviet Union during the Cold War, but uh, fairly pro-America. Oman, pretty American. Yemen in, in disarray. Saudi Arabia had been an American ally. Jordan, fairly well an American ally, much more so than the Soviets. The uh, Assad regime of Syria, now the son Bashar al-Assad, is in charge leans toward the, the Soviets. You know, the the Syrian government, the Ba'athist regime, is the Nazi party. We we, we pretend the Nazis don't exist anymore. Uh, they, they are certainly not engaged in a Holocaust, so they probably would if they could. The Ba'athist regime were the Arab Nazi party. At a time, Egypt and Syria were allied as one nation. They, they for a while, went through this period where they were both controlled by the Ba'athist party as a united nation. Uh, Iraq as well under Saddam Hussein was controlled by the Ba'athists. Egypt now had been pro-America, but um, we haven't been treating them well. The Saudis, we haven't been treating them well. We have legitimate concerns, but they've also been pretty good allies. The Egyptians for a time under Nassar had uh, leaned towards the Soviets, and then Mubarak moved them decisively to be part of a Western alliance. And now we have problems because of the American government. The Saudis don't like Joe Biden. The Saudis are rivals to the Iranians. They've tried to get along, I guess you could say. 
but they're never going to get along. They're just not going to get along. And we've engaged not just with a prisoner swap with Iran. We've given the Iranians $6 billion. Now, it's technically their money, but we have frozen Iranian bank accounts since the the Islamic revolt of the 1779 and the overthrow of the Shah, we froze Iranian bank accounts, and we occasionally, Democrats do, Republicans never do, dribble out the money to the Iranians. And we've done so in exchange for prisoners. Here's Mitch McConnell on the floor of the Senate. Today, uh, five American hostages are on their way home from unjust detention in Iran. Unfortunately, the deal that secured their release may very well be the latest example of President Biden rewarding and incentivizing Tehran's bad behavior. Over the past two and a half years, the administration's weakness and desperation have emboldened emboldened a massive state sponsor of terror and would-be nuclear-armed aggressor. Take the $6 billion the United States has reportedly just released to the Iranian regime. Administration officials have insisted that this money is subject to strict oversight and may only be used for humanitarian purposes. Iran's president, on the other hand, understands that money is fungible. He said, and this is the exact quote, humanitarian means whatever the Iranian people need. And the needs of the Iranian people will be decided and determined by the Iranian government, end quote. Well, Madam President, we know quite well that the Iranian people's needs and the Iranian regime's priorities rarely overlap. By every measure, Iran poses a greater threat to its neighbors and to the United States than it did two and a half years ago. The Biden administration's record of appeasement and squandered leverage has left Americans less secure. This is John Kirby. The uh, presidential spokesman was at the Defense Department. It's important to remember, Kate, that the, the, the regime doesn't get the money. The, they can request a withdrawal for humanitarian goods, agricultural products, medical supplies, food. And then we will run a process through which those goods are contracted for. The Iranians don't even get to let the contracts. We'll make sure that the contracts are let with vendors that we know we can trust. And then that material will be delivered to the Iranian people. The Iranian regime does not get hands on this money. Do you understand what McConnell is saying in juxtaposition to this? The Iranians could say, hey, we want to spend a billion dollars to fund terrorism. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to say we need a billion dollars to feed our people. Instead of using the money we have to to feed our people, we're going to go to the Americans and say, we want this billion dollars. Please farm out this billion dollars to us to feed our people. We need food. And then the Iranians will take the money that they have in their own bank account and they'll fund the terrorists while the Americans fund the feeding of the people. And we did this prisoner deal. It's only going to make it worse. Here's Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State. As to the, uh, the, the, uh, the monies involved, two things. First, these are Iranian funds that they got from selling oil that were stuck in a bank account in South Korea. From day one for our sanctions, this has always been exempt. Being able to use money, including by Iran, for humanitarian purposes has always been exempt from our sanctions. They've actually been entitled to use this money all along. But for practical, technical reasons, they weren't able to. So 
The monies were moved from one bank account in South Korea to another, not a single U.S. taxpayer dollar. And we made an arrangement with the bank in question. This is a bank in Qatar uh, to make sure that we would have clear visibility over the way the money is spent. And if it's not being spent for humanitarian reasons, it's not being spent for food, medicine, other things, it'll get shut down. Um, you hear that? We're working with a bank in Qatar. Gutter, he calls it. Qatar. Qatar is not really our friend. Qatar has been collaborating with the Iranians. In fact, Qatar has been collaborating with the Iranians so much the Saudis are restricting border access. They share border with Qatar. And now you've got uh, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia saying that if Iran pursues nuclear weapons, they are too. He did an interview with Brett Baer on Fox News. Are you concerned, though, Iran gets a nuclear weapon, about them getting a nuclear weapon? When we are concerned of any country getting a nuclear weapon, that's a bad, uh, uh, that's a bad uh, uh, move. And you don't need to get a nuclear weapon because you cannot use it. Even if Iran gets a nuclear weapon, any country use a nuclear weapon, that means they are having a war with the rest of the world. The world cannot see another Hiroshima. If the world see 100,000 people dead, that means you are in a war with the rest of the world. So it's a useless uh, uh, effort to reach a nuclear uh, weapon because you cannot use it. If you use it, you got to have a big fight with the rest of the world. If they get one, will you? If they get one, we have to get one. If they get one, we have to get one. They do not trust the Iranians. They simply don't trust Iran. And you can't blame them. You can't trust Iran. The Iranians are led by Islamic radicals who believe that it is their job to ruthlessly spread Islam. They have funded terrorism around the world. If you want to understand, I, I'm going to simplify this at, at the expense of, I, I may offend some of you, and I don't mean to offend any of you, but I, I want you to explore, I, I need to really explain this to you in a, in a way you might understand it. Um, so we've got Protestantism and Catholicism, and, and I'm leaving the Orthodox off to the side here. Um, we've got Protestantism and Catholicism that most of you understand. We, we can leave the, 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 our wonderful friends, the, the Greek and Russian Orthodox, out of this. And Catholics have a pope, and the Protestants have a bajillion denominations. In Islam, you have primarily the Sunni and the Shiite. The Sunni believe that uh, a, a great leader of Islam after Muhammad could rise, and you have various Islamic clerics, imams, it's very much like Protestantism. You have degrees of Sunni Islam. You you have uh, different um, religious clerics. Uh, each have some standing. The Saudis have a more nationalized system, but they're they're very diverse. The the Shiites, which are Iranian, are very much more akin in Islam to what the Catholics would be in that uh, the leader must be a descendant of the prophet Muhammad. This was the great divide at the split of Sunni and, and Shiite Islam is the Sunnis believe that you can have a wise religious cleric who not, need not be a blood relative of Muhammad. And the Shiites believe you have to have a blood relative of Muhammad leading. 
and how this has transformed over time through through different views and different different ways that the religion transforms is that while there are strains of Islamic radicalism within Sunnism, um, ISIS, um, the, the uh, Boko Haram, uh, the the Al Qaeda leaders were all from Saudi Arabia. In Iran, the entirety of the religion is centered upon a group of despots who believe that their job is to transport by violence and terrorism, if necessary, their worldview. It's as if they are in the period of the Spanish Inquisition with the Catholics in charge. Catholicism over time had to compete with Protestantism and there were wars fault. It's as if we're in the 1500s now with the Sunni and the Shiite. And the Saudi Arabians are the largest leaders of Sunni Islam, and the Iranians are really the sole regime of Shiite Islam, and they hate each other. They don't trust each other. And the difference between the two is that the Iranians actually believe that terror is a valid tool. And the problem is that the Russians are building lines of communication and alliances along with the Chinese to the Saudis who don't like the Iranians, but the Iranians are already tied into the Russians and the Chinese. So it should be easy for the United States to pull the Saudis our way, but we can't because Joe Biden steps on it, insults them, is nasty to them. And Saudi Arabia just wants to seat at the table. Saudi Arabia is a natural ally of the United States. We may not like their values. We may not share their values. That we, we may not like the way they treat their people, but they're a natural ally of the United States, particularly because Iran is so embedded with Russia and China. But because we refuse to deal with Saudi Arabia as a player and a partner on the world stage, they're flirting with the Russians. They're jacking up oil prices to hurt Joe Biden. And I do believe they're jacking up the prices to hurt Joe Biden because Joe Biden will not give them a seat at the table, will not meet with them. And in the process, Joe Biden is ceding ground in the Middle East to start a nuclear arms race and a further spread of terrorism. There are storm clouds in the Middle East growing, and they're only growing because of Joe Biden's negligence and incompetence. I run a small business. You may not realize this radio show is small business. I've got employees. i got management headaches, hirings of employees, thankfully no firings. But you got to deal with the management burden sometimes. If you're a small business owner, you probably deal with those headaches as well. And sometimes I've realized it's better to outsourced to an HR department so you don't have to be the bad guy. Your employees can like you and you want to deal with an HR department that your employees can like for the most part when they need HR assistance. And you got to think about these things as a small business owner. Let's say somebody isn't showing up when they're supposed to. You don't want to have to be the confrontational bad guy. That's where Bambi comes in. Or an employee reports a serious issue like sexual harassment and you're not even sure if you got a documented policy. Bambi can take care of those things. With Bambi, you get access to a dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 a month. They're available by phone, by email, real-time chat, so you can do onboardings and terminations that run smoothly. Your team members help coaching for peak performance. Your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations, and they always change. Y'all, Bambi's dedicated HR managers are U.S.-based 
individuals who are dedicated to your business. So they seem like they're on your team, not just somebody from a different company, but actually on your team with the personal touches you want. So if you need HR assistance for your growing small business, reach out to Bambi, Bambi Bambi.com. Go right now, type in Eric Erickson under podcast. When you sign up, it'll help the show. It's spelled Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E.com, Bambi.com. Type in Eric Erickson under podcast. Start moving your business forward with great, dedicated, team-oriented HR, Bambi.com. Hello, welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. I hope you're having a great day. The phone number, 877-973-7425, if you want to be on the program. I want to talk about Ukraine, just briefly. Vladimir Zelensky is in Washington, D.C., making his case for more funding, and fewer and fewer people want to give him money. There are a lot of problems, but uh, chief among them, there's this growing view that we don't have the money to give Ukraine. Now, we are giving essentially 5% of our defense budget to Ukraine, just 5%. And that 5%, 4%, so basically it works out to – uh, 90, some 85 to 90% of the money comes back to the United States. It's a pretty significant amount of money comes back to the United States. Actually, no, I'm sorry. It's, it's 80% comes back to the United States of the money we spend. 20% of that money stays in Ukraine to help them uh, fund uh, salaries, uh, buy weapons from other, other governments and things like that. Uh, 80% of it comes back to us because they're buying the bulk of their weapons from us. So the money goes to Ukraine, and then Ukraine turns around and spends the bulk of that money, 80% of it, uh, buying weapon systems from the United States, rebuilding our military-industrial complex. And it's loans. We're giving them loans. they got to pay the money back eventually. We're not giving them outright money, uh, except in limited circumstances. And that money is then the loans are guaranteed by the European Union, which makes it hilarious that if Ukraine defaults on paying us back the money, the European Union is on the hook for paying us back the money. Did you know any of that? So the amount of money we're spending in Ukraine amounts to 5% of our total defense budget. 80% of the money that goes to Ukraine comes back to us and is invested in jobs in the United States to buy military supplies, to build weaponry that we send to Ukraine. The European Union subsidizes or guarantees the loans of the money because we're not outright giving Ukraine money. It's it's loans. And if they default on the loans, the European Union is obligated to pay the loans. For every dollar we give, the um, Europeans are spending $2. Did you know any of that? There's a point to that I want you to hear when we come back. But first, got to tell you about Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is a cell phone provider. They're not just any cell phone provider. They're Christian conservative businessmen who set up Patriot Mobile knowing that it was a great way for you who may not be as engaged in politics to be able to engage in politics. So you take your business to Patriot Mobile. You take your cell phone service to them. You move your cell phone number to them. You get guaranteed great service using probably the same cell towers you're already using. And then they fund the causes you care about. Second Amendment, the pro-life movement, conservative candidates running for office. They fund them with their profits. So you grow their profits. They grow their giving to the conservative movement. It's a great symbiotic relationship. 
All you got to do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You can see a detailed coverage map right to your house, how good the 5G, the data is, the voice you put in your address. They zoom in and they show you how strong the signals are. You can also call them at 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. You tell them I sent you. You get free activation with my name. You get guaranteed great service. You get great discounts. You're a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, you name it. And then as they grow their profits, they grow their giving to the conservative causes you care about. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. This just happened before I make my brilliant and profound point on Ukraine. I got to play this audio. Uh, the Peter Ducey exchange with Corrine Jean-Pierre at the White House. What do you call it? here at the White House when 10,000 people illegally cross the border in a single day. So what do you call it, Peter, when GOP puts forth a, a, a wait, no, 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 you can't. Green? I'm answering, okay, we're going to move You're answering on. No, 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 we're moving on. Green, moving. In the back, no, You said you were stopping the, the flow back. of the border. No, no, I tried to migrants. answer, Peter, uh, okay. I tried to answer. No, you didn't. You tried to play games. Wow, she's better. She is just not bright. There was no answer in her folder. But this gets actually perfectly to my point on Ukraine, and it's tied to the border. So if you're just tuning in here at the end on Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky is at the United States Congress today meeting with members of Congress. He's met with the Senate in full session. He's meeting with individual members of the House. Did you know that our total appropriation for Ukraine amounts to about 5% of our defense budget? Not 5% of the total federal budget, just 5% of the defense budget. And four of every five dollars, or to put it better for you, 80 cents of every dollar that Ukraine gets is spent here in the United States. Almost all of it is in the form of a loan, by the way. So we're not just giving them the money. We're loaning them the money. Arsenal of democracy at work, just like we did in World War II. We, We loan them the money. So we give Ukraine billions of dollars. And it's in the form of a loan guaranteed by the European Union. If Ukraine defaults, the European Union pays us back. And 80 cents of every dollar that we give, even in the form of that loan, is invested in the United States in the forms of arms purchases from the United States. So 80% of the money that we send comes back to the United States. 20% stays there to cover costs, salaries of the soldiers, and other things. Did you know any of that? Did you know any of that? This is the point of of what I'm saying. Whether you agree with funding or not, and I do. I do because I think the Russians are not our friends, and if we can stop them in Ukraine, that's good for us. I understand people's reluctance. I I reject the idea that, well, we can't spend that money there. We have to spend it here. I think we got to do both. The, 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 The canard of, of well, we, we got to secure our border. We can't secure Ukraine. No, no, we, we need to do both. We, we got more money to spend here on the border. We should be able to do both. We should be able to multitask. We should be able to fight on both fronts, so to speak. And we're not even fighting in Ukraine. They're fighting. We're not fighting. Your kids aren't dying in Ukraine. Ukrainian kids are dying in Ukraine. I have just done more to defend supporting Ukraine than Joe Biden has done the entire time. Whether you agree with me or not, I I want you to note that I have articulated the case on costs and basis and reasons for doing so. Joe Biden has not done so. 
the president of the United States wants to send a bunch of money to Ukraine and can't understand why a growing number of Americans are opposed to doing so. He has never sat down in front of the camera from the Oval Office to say, here's why we're doing this. He's never articulated the case. He's sending $6 billion to Iran. He's struggling to make that case. Money is fungible. The Iranians will take our money and fund their humanitarian causes while using their money for terrorism. He can't seem to get around that. He doesn't know how to get around that because he can't get around that. But he can't even sit down with us and say, y'all, here's why we're helping the Ukrainians. First of all, 80 cents of every dollar comes back to us. It's not money we're just wasted in Ukraine. There's certainly waste, fraud, and abuse, and Vladimir Zelensky is firing the people responsible for the waste, fraud, and abuse. But 80 cents of every dollar goes to Alabama and Texas and Virginia and Maine to weapon systems around the country that are built here in this country. The money, 80 cents on every dollar, comes back to the United States. It's a good investment for us to help the Ukrainians. Our children are not dying there, and we wish to keep it that way. And the way we keep it that way is to allow the Ukrainians to defend themselves so the Russians don't think they can plow through Ukraine and invade NATO countries where we have treaty obligations and we would be obliged to fight. This is the way to stop the Russians. The Russians are trying to build a global alliance with the Iranians and with the Chinese and with the North Koreans and other. We stop the Russians in Ukraine. We start to hurt that alliance building. We stop them in Ukraine. We start to undermine Chinese interests as well as the Chinese have poured money in to help the Russians. We're killing two birds with one stone with this investment in Ukraine without our children having to go to war. The Biden administration won't make that case. I'm not making that up, by the way. I'm not making that up. That's actually it. That's the defense. That's the rationale. That's the justification. But the Biden administration won't do it. The Biden administration won't say anything. Joe Biden will not talk to the American people about it. And he has his, listen, yeah, the man's the man is, is Methuselah. The man is old. He stumbles over his words. He mutters and makes no sense. He's an elderly John Fetterman. I get that. I understand that. I know he's a mess. It's not just that he's at war with the English language. It's that time is at war with Joe Biden. And the two collide on a battlefield of incompetence and ignorance. But Joe Biden, the president of the United States, should at least be able to sit in front of a teleprompter and read the words others have written for him to be able to justify our role and our policies and our positions in Ukraine. And he won't even do that. And he's shocked that Americans are turning against the effort. How can he be? The people who are opposed are making compelling arguments. Look at our border. Why are we sending money to Ukraine? Look at our border. Look at that stunt Corinne Jean-Pierre pulled with Peter Ducey from Fox News. She's unable to make the case for our border policies. They lie every time they lie. They don't tell the truth. They don't articulate a vision 
they're not capable of doing it. You've got Mayorkas, the Secretary of um, Homeland Security, trying to push back on Eric Adams in New York. Let's listen to this. I would say the I would say the following. First and foremost, we're dealing with a broken immigration system, a fact about which everyone agrees. It is one of the rare things about which there's unanimity of views. And we need Congress to act, number one. Number two, within that broken immigration system, we are challenged by an unprecedented level of displacement in the Western Hemisphere of historic proportions. We have responded with a model approach that has proven to work, which is to build lawful pathways for individuals to arrive in a safe and orderly way and to deliver consequences for those who don't meet them. We are working very closely with the city of New York. We sent an assessment team here. Now, you know, he's right. Everyone agrees the system is broken, but um, just because the system is broken doesn't mean that the Biden administration should break it further, and that's what they're doing. This is more from Mayorkas. First and foremost, we're dealing with a broken immigration system, a fact about which everyone agrees. Now listen, now listen, this is important. You're thinking... I'm playing the same clip again. I'm not. It is one of the rare things about which there's unanimity of views. And we need Congress to act, number one. Number two, within that broken immigration system, we are challenged by an unprecedented level of displacement in the Western Hemisphere of historic proportions. We have responded with a model approach that has proven to work. Really? Okay, so first of all, I want you to note, I played two separate clips, and they start the exact same way. It is the exact same memorized line. But number two, he says it works. It's not working. It's failed. And the Biden administration, I mean, this is the problem. It's the problem with Ukraine. It's the problem with the border. It's the problem with so much. Where is the president of the United States? Where is he? How can it be that the president of the United States is not out articulating a solution. He's in denial. He's in denial about Ukraine. He's in denial about the border. He's in denial about the problems. He's in denial about everything. Where is he? He went to the United Nations and the only thing he wanted to talk about was climate change. It's the only thing the left wants to talk about. They're in denial on that as well. They think the American public is going along with them and they're provoking a backlash. Where's the leadership? Where is the leadership? It's not there. When I, a radio show, talk show host, sitting in a radio studio in Atlanta, Georgia, can explain to you what our situation in Ukraine is better than the president of the United States by virtue of me just trying, and he never has, It's a pretty damning indictment on his policies. He doesn't want to talk about these things. The Democratic policies are failing. People are turning against him. You got Vladimir Zelensky thinking he's got to come over here and talk about climate change just to get Joe Biden to pay attention to him. And meanwhile, our border is being overrun. Border Patrol is reporting to Bill Malugan at Fox News just now. 100,000 illegal aliens were released into the country last week. 
Last week, not last month, not last year, 100,000 last week. That's not sustainable. But the Biden administration doesn't have a solution for it. The Biden administration can't seem to figure out what to do about the border other than to have Mayorkas come out with a talking point that he clearly repeats. This is what he said on Sunday. First and foremost, we're dealing with a broken immigration system, a fact about which everyone agrees. That was that was on Sunday. This is on Monday. I would say the I would say the following. First and foremost, we're dealing with a broken immigration system, a fact about which everyone agrees. Literally, y'all, one was Sunday, one was Monday. Same tone, same tenor, same speech, same lines. That's the best he can do. And then he claims it's actually uh, their solutions at the border are woke are, are working. And when Peter Ducey pipes up and says, hey, actually, uh, what do you call 10,000 people coming across in a day? Uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre wants to play word games with him. It's not working. They can't articulate it. They can't articulate anything on Ukraine. They can't articulate anything on that. They just keep screwing up. I mean, at some point, Democrats have got to wonder what is going on here when this man can't even get on television to the American people and defend his policies. How is he going to defend himself in a debate with a Republican presidential nominee? He's not. They're not going to do it. They're going to keep him in the basement. Meanwhile, across the country, Americans for Prosperity is running a bus tour to explain why Bidenomics is bad. Y'all, I did an event for AFP last night here in Georgia. It was a great turnout. Uh, moderated a discussion about how economic regulations impact businesses. And they were talking about some of the economic regulatory fights in my state. They do this around the country, raising awareness, building coalitions for change. And they were able to get change, for example, here in Georgia with food truck regulations, where in the state, Food trucks had to get certified, health certified in every single one of the 159 counties. Now they just need one statewide certification. That's real-world reforms to help small businesses advocated by Americans for Prosperity. They rely on you guys to make the phone calls and support the sound legislation and to raise awareness in your local community. If you want to be a part of making meaningful change for small business to fight for free markets and free people, Americans for Prosperity would be a great home for you. All you do is go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric, americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. You sign up, you become one of over 4 million activists nationwide fighting for free markets and free people with Americans for Prosperity. One more time, americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Hi there. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. So Rupert Murdoch, he's out of Fox after 70 years, God bless him, he's decided to retire. They, they didn't push the man out. He decided to retire. And uh, what a legacy he leaves you. You know, the left, it's interesting, uh, PBS had a discussion today, and they basically put every media uh, opinion commentator who hates Fox on uh, their site to lament Rupert Murdoch. Which I just I, I I think is is bad form to begin with, but uh, it's it's where they've headed these days, and um, they they don't really care. They're just they don't like his success. They think he's bad for everything. They they've never bothered to look in the mirror. Frankly, they've never bothered to um, understand that they themselves, members of the media, have themselves contributed to the problems in this country. And that's just, I mean, the reality that they don't want to accept.
it is that they themselves have caused Americans to no longer trust them. And in so doing and in so being, they themselves have earned the lack of respect of the American public. But they don't get it. Meanwhile, Rupert Murdoch, day in, day out, grew a media empire that was far more profitable than the rest. CNN these days doesn't really even know what it's doing. MSNBC gets like 30,000 viewers on the weekend. It's neither healthy nor sustainable. And this is where we are. Rupert Murdoch built something that the rest of the media never could. And so the rest of the media has vilified the man as the bad guy. Has he been perfect? Absolutely not. Did Fox get stuff wrong with the elections? They absolutely did. But they've done a lot right. One of the things they've done right is they have refused to drip with condescension, condescension against people who live in flyover country. Uh, you know, when Fox wooed me, Bill Shine, then the executive vice president, he, Roger Ailes, his right-hand man, made the point to me that Fox is the news network that pays attention to what people who live along American river valleys think. There are many more river valleys than coasts. And he catered and the news company catered to what those people thought and cared about, not to what people along the coast or in college towns cared about. And the result was the dominant news network. To this day, the dominant news network in this country. And the rest of the media vilifies it. Despite its success, they've never had the curiosity to wonder what makes it successful and why people tune in. They just wanted to hate it because they thought it beneath them to treat people who live in the heartland of this country as actual human beings with views and values that people should care about instead of condemning. So good for Rupert Murdoch on his tenure. God bless him. And to Lachlan Murdoch, who's now in charge. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.